This is episode 29, Trash Talking with Eco Warriors, featuring Nikhil Aurora from Back to the Roots. You're tuning in to Trash Talking with Eco Warriors, where women share inspiring stories about their careers in green business, sustainability, and conservation. Here's your host and founder of Trashy Beauty, Barbara Lee. Have you seen these awesome tomato and mushroom grow kits around Whole Foods and other natural food stores? You may not have noticed the brand back to the roots, but you'll certainly know about the stuff that they make. The company's model to undo food is pretty incredible, and they've been picked up by everyone from small mom and pop shops to large retailers like Amazon. I don't often interview guys on the show since our focus is on the amazing women working in the green space, but I couldn't pass up the opportunity to share Nikhil's story, partly because his company also started with coffee grounds. When Nikhil learned that food could be grown from waste, he quit his six-figure salary job and started a small company with one of his other classmates, Alejandro Velez. The two would spend nights picking up coffee grounds from Pete's coffee shops around the Bay Area, growing mushrooms in their fraternity basement, and selling the organic oyster mushrooms at farmer's markets. Today, their organic biodynamic cereal was voted in by taste test in the New York City School District. It's one of the largest school districts in the country. I used to create content for a superfood company called Coolie Coolie Foods, and the CEO of Coolie Coolie, Lisa Curtis, was actually a high school friend of Nikhil's. So when I was starting my company and I mentioned to Lisa that I wanted to take coffee grounds and make a body scrub out of it, she told me that I should connect with Nikhil and talk to him because that's how they started their whole company, was collecting coffee grounds and growing mushrooms in them. So I really wanted to share this story and I'm looking forward to it. I hope you enjoy it. Let's get trash talking. Welcome to the show, Nikhil. Thanks for having me on. An honor, I guess, is the best way to put it. And uh, well, and I've had a chance to obviously see everything you've been working on and the people you've had on and, and just very uh, excited about your mission. So it's an honor to be on and, and love the work you're promoting and uh, look forward to, to chatting. Well, thank you. So I guess tell us a little bit about you. My name is Nick Hill, and I'm the co-founder of Back to the Roots. And we are on a mission here to reconnect families back to where food comes from. And, you know, we have a line of indoor gardening kits that are helping families, kids grow their own food at home, and also a line of organic cereals and snacks that are all focused on uh, really simple ingredients, direct farmer source ingredients. So just trying to make it really fun and easy for families to connect back. Uh, you know, we uh, started this company, this crazy journey in college, and it's a fun ride since. Awesome. And tell me how it is that you guys got started. It, it started kind of with the mushroom farms, right? Yeah, that's right. It's actually it's kind of funny. We had no background in food or agriculture, or, you know, let alone mushrooms, but uh, Alex, my co-founder, and I were both in this business ethics class, and uh, we were a few months away from graduation at UC Berkeley. No, you know, I was going to consulting. He had a job offer to go into banking. We both kind of thought we knew what we were doing, and we were sitting in this class and heard a professor bring up this random fact that you could possibly grow mushrooms on coffee grounds. And something about that one fact inspired the both of us, and actually independently, because we didn't in the same classes for four years, somehow never connected. But in that one moment, that one <laughs> class, both kind of independently got curious, reached out to a professor, and he ended up putting us in touch. He was like, man, I don't even know where I read this fact. This other kid wow. asked, asked me about it, too. You guys should link up. And, and he introduced the two of us. And 
uh, that's really, you know, where the company got started because we just hit it off and started uh, brainstorming what we could do with that. That's so great. So take me a little bit through that journey. Like, how did you guys land on making these kits? And I guess kind of walk me through how you started the business. You know, the, it started off actually growing fresh mushrooms. So we were uh, kind of fell in love with this idea of turning waste into food and, and partnered up with Pete's Coffee and, and ended up collecting all their coffee ground waste from most of the Northern California cafes. So I mean, people, you know, all the coffee we drink, that the piece that we don't only really think about is that's turning into hundreds of pounds of this of this waste stream every single day in every single cafe. And, and, it, and it's still high nutrition, fresh agricultural waste right there in urban centers. So we fell in love with the idea of turning that into real food and, and started growing mushrooms, like organic oyster mushrooms on coffee grounds. You know, and along the way, we, we had this uh, turned an old warehouse in Oakland into this urban farm, and we're selling our mushrooms into Whole Foods and farmer's markets and restaurants and, you know, doing a lot of tours for primarily like families and, and, and schools and classrooms that we would meet, you know, while we're doing demos and farmer's markets. And people would come and tour to our mushroom farm. You know, we kept on getting questioned over and over again. But like, hey, this is pretty cool. But can I try to do this myself at home? Like, can I take one of these bags? You guys are growing your your mushrooms in for the farmers market. Can I take one home and do it myself? And you know, enough of those kind of questions later kind of finally inspired us. And hey, there's something bigger here than just mushrooms. There's people kind of like yearning to connect back to food themselves and and then bringing it home. And and that inspired us to kind of take this big mushroom farm we had and and shrink it down into what became our first indoor gardening kit, the mushroom mini farm. So it's a little brown box, and you just pop up with the front panel, and in 10 days, you can grow your own organic mushrooms at home. That's amazing. And have you taken to eating these mushrooms on a regular basis? Like, do you grow your own at home all the time? Yeah, you know, we, we have a, a ton growing at home in the office, uh, and they're they're delicious, and especially in, in tacos and omelets are my, my two favorite ways to use them. One kid, I think, also, you're asking kind of how that turned into this whole this brand. And I think we realized as we started selling that mushroom kit, like, just, you know, again, again, it wasn't about just what we were growing. It was about that experience and that connection and, um, you know, that and kind of curiosity about growing. And if we can grow mushrooms, what else can we grow and how else can we grow kind of led us down this this incredible journey these past few years of kind of rediscovering food ourselves and then turning those into these experiences that, that our community can kind of engage with. And it's turned into now a whole line of indoor gardening kits. So we have like a home aquaponic system and these self-watering tomato and chili pepper planters and uh, windowsill herb kits. So just trying to like find really fun and, and easy ways for, for families to grow food. That's amazing. And so other than the waste part of this, like taking these coffee grounds, which, by the way, do you guys still do that, like gathering the coffee grounds? You know, we've actually now expanded to uh, other organic waste streams. So we moved our farm uh, from Oakland now, partnered up with another amazing mushroom farm in the North Bay. Uh, they're in uh, in Sebastopol uh, called Gourmet Mushrooms Incorporated. And, and we use kind of farm waste from, from their locale now. So a lot of other, like rice hulls, oat bran, uh, those kind of like leftover materials. So it's still all 100% plant waste, but just not coffee grounds anymore. Oh, wow. That's so uh, cool. Yeah. And I guess, so tell me a little bit more. I, I guess it's like this cool portion to it because you're collecting something that can then be made into food again and letting people do this themselves at home. But how else does this play into the environmental concerns that we have? And why is it important to grow things at home. Yeah, man, I, I, I'm glad you, you can ask that because I think there's so many pieces to this, to this lens, and, and I think what gets us excited. I think, 
you know, number one, it, it's the material choices, right? The sustainability and packaging in, in what you're using to create. And that's everything in this case from, uh, you know, our substrate, which was started off as coffee grounds to, you know, when we're producing our water garden, it's how to, you know, try to minimize that footprint. So we were really focused on making that in the United States. We should make that right here in Union City to just the packaging for our products, focusing on recyclable materials, minimizing plastic. So there's a packaging component, the sourcing component. I think there's the just the transparency in this, of like kind of thing we talk about is like the idea around chemicals and, and in this case, like organic sourcing. So what, uh-huh. you know, all of our products are organic. And I think that's such a huge part of educating people about it's not even as much about there's a whole part of organic about personal health, but also there's a huge other part about like environmental sustainability because there's I mean billions of pounds of, of toxic chemicals that we're, we're we're throwing onto our our farmland and near our schools and near where we live and and I think educating folks about you know organic has been really fun through our products as well. Think about this how much food waste is in this country and I think growing your own food is such an impactful way to kind of tap into that curiosity about where the rest of our food's coming from and where it's going. And I think educating about that kind of food waste has been really important. Sure. Not to mention when you grow your own stuff at home, you're taking away all of the fossil fuels that are used in transporting it and with all of the refrigeration and you're getting fresher produce that you actually get to really taste. Yeah, absolutely. There's nothing well, we talk about. There's nothing more local than your uh, than your windowsill, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess you guys have taken away some of the the difficulties that people have, or some of the the pain points people would have with growing their own plants, which is. I'm not good at gardening. How do I make sure I don't kill this thing? Well, it, it, there's, there's a big fear factor. I think, you know, people who have uh, about, uh, I don't have a green thumb, I don't have a big backyard, and I think we're really trying to, to simplify things. To then from how we started the company, like we weren't expert gardeners or foodies when we started this, and we had no background in this. So I think we almost had to approach things of simplifying it for ourselves because we were trying to understand it <laughs> from the ground up, and I think that's translated into our brain energy too. And and we kind of talked about how we want to like build this brand like the Pixar of food. We was like, how do we create products that are fun, easy, simple <laughs> enough where like an eight-year-old or a forty-eight-year-old, you know, can be can be using them, and they're they're both smiling, maybe smiling for different reasons, but they're both enjoying it, you know, and, and can both do it. That's awesome. Uh, we we love that challenge. That's fantastic. Where did you first get inspired to care about the environment and want to? you know, make an impact on the environment and sustainability? I think a lot of it I credit, you know, to, to my to my family. I and you know, spent a lot of time growing up. My parents immigrated from India. I spent a lot of time growing up, spending, early, you know, summers there when I was, you know, in school. And I think seeing kind of went back and forth between two very different worlds and, and seeing how resources are treated, I think made it really, looking back now, I don't think I connected the dots when I was young, but looking back made a really big imprint on me of, of just being exposed to, urbanization and waste and, and, and production and pollution in, in a whole bunch of different contexts really, I think, left a mark on me of, like, there's, there's got to be better ways of doing this on both sides. That translated to me into, into some curiosity in college. I actually spent, you know, about six, seven months out in West Africa in college in Ghana uh, working on sustainability, then kind of just trying to dive deeper. And at that time, I was working to set up, like, a recycling program at the University of Ghana and kind of learn more about how sustainability and, and waste, you know, is dealt with in, in a developing country. And so kind of ha- had these different experiences in, in kind of the back of my mind. And I think when that one sentence came across in class about, hey, you can grow food off of waste in our cities, I think all those various experiences and my upbringing family and, and 
you know, time I'd spent in Ghana kind of all in that one microsecond, like made me raise my hand, you know, Be like, Hey, that's kind of cool. Let me try to figure out something else. And, uh, <laughs> that's amazing. And if you had to pick one environmental issue that you hope will change within your lifetime, what would that be? Mm-hmm. I think it's the, the toxicity in our environment. One of them. Mm. And, I, um, and I, I think food plays a massive role in that because you think about how, there's nothing more personal than food, right? If we put it into our body. So right. it's actually, it sounds so obvious, but it blows my mind how far this pendulum has swung where it's what you put like into our body three times a day. You know, there's nothing more personal than that. And, and yet we're so disconnected from it. You know, we're all concerned about what the, the new watch and our wrist looks like or the clothing and things like that. But like, yet we don't even think twice about what's going into our bodies, right? So, and I think that's led to this a whole bunch of additives and chemicals that have been added to our food system that, unfortunately, as a consumer base, we've just kind of ignored and accepted without challenging. Um, but also just all around us. And, you know, one of the things that's really interesting, and for your listeners, I would, I would ask them, like, go look up the Toxic Substances Control Act. Like, it really hasn't been updated since the 1960s in Congress. And, you know, there's hundreds of thousands of new chemicals that have been introduced since then in our food and other furniture, et cetera. And the, the lack of control and regulation around a lot of that is pretty stunning. So, I think food plays a big role and, and just trying to simplify our supply chains all around us. Wow. And how does that play back into what you guys are doing? Like, you just started the cereal line. I know it's pretty new for you guys. Yeah. How did you guys go about deciding to do cereal after, like, tomato plants? Yeah. Yeah, I love that. That's a, <laughs> that's a great question. And, uh, yeah, so ultimately, you know, we started selling these indoor gardening kits in the produce section of, of stores, right, in the garden centers. And at the same time as you're in the produce section selling indoor gardening kits, we realized that, you know, you walk five, six feet over to the first grocery aisle, and it's a whole different world in terms of, like, transparency and ingredients and what kind of food you find. You know, such a huge disconnect in two totally different worlds in the middle of the same store. And, you know, you go center of aisle and, and the outside perimeter. And so we started asking ourselves, okay, is there – a way and to kind of bring that same level of like radical simplicity, radical transparency and trust that you get from growing your own food to the grocery aisles and kind of started realizing there's this incredible opportunity here to kind of build a brand that could kind of connect the dots for the first time between produce and grocery, between garden and, and kitchen, right? Between the cafeteria and the school and the classroom. And, and like it's all just food. It's just different ways of interacting with it. Sometimes you want to grow it yourself, and sometimes you're running out the door because you're busy and you want someone else to make it for you. But like that underlying trust and simplicity shouldn't change, but, you know, we, we, we've kind of sacrificed that. And so we started down this journey of how can we kind of simplify and, and as we kind of call it back to it, it's like undo food. And the first category we, we really dove into is breakfast cereal because – I mean, one, it's like the first time kids are starting to cook. You think I'm mixing milk and cereal, that sense of, like, independence, right? So it's like the first thing when kids mm-hmm. are five or six, they're like, I can make my own meal, you know? Like my parents can leave me and I can, <laughs> I can eat my, right? And it's this kind of empowering moment. And, and I think, too, it's just the food, though, that's still the highest household penetration. Like, every house has it in your cupboard. Adults eat it, still kids eat it. It's in schools, one of the, the most served items in schools. So, like, man, if we can simplify cereal, and it's this category that's, you know, been around almost 150 years now, and, and started off as a wow. food, actually, the whole story of, like, the Kellogg's brothers started, like, in a hospital to get high fiber into, into people's lives. And you fast forward, it turned into this kind of candy category, right? With, like, it's just, high, it's just pretty much sugar. And so, we're like, let's take it back where it used to be, like, the stone ground, real grains. It's been the journeys, and, and it's been so much fun launching it and seeing the feedback. And, you know, one, one of the, the 
times, and, and I think in our journey has been most exciting and most inspiring, actually, is that you know, over the course of this last year, as we launched a cereal to retailers like Whole Foods, it's done really well there. But what was really exciting was that off of blind taste test in New York City Public Schools, which is the largest school district in the country, 1.1 million kids, kids voted in our organic 100% stone ground breakfast cereals. And they're a third of the sugar is what the competition was. So, you know, the Kellogg's and other big cereal brands. Wow. Kids voted out those in Indy, so we replaced Kellogg's and enough eating in over a million kids in New York City with the very first organic cereal ever offered in public schools. So 1.3 million kids in New York are eating your cereal now. Yeah, it's 1.1 million kids in New York City. And, you know, it's the first organic cereal, the first biodynamic cereal, so like bringing regenerative agriculture to what kids are eating in schools. But it's a really fun challenge that they're going to know a cereal for the rest of their life is an organic, low-sugar, 100% stone-milled, three-ingredient cereal, right? That, that, that's exciting because that sets their taste buds up for what they expect for the rest of their lives, too. That's so amazing. Congrats. That's so cool. Thank you. Started with the kids. That's the thing that makes it the most fun. Cool. Talk a little bit about some of the challenges or some of the difficult points in growing the business and trying to do what you're doing. Yeah, you know, I, I think one of the biggest challenges on, on a lot of this stuff is, you know, especially on in the indoor gardening side, like we're, help, we're kind of creating a category, right? Like we're, we're, we're training consumers that you can grow inside, you can grow year-round, you don't need a green thumb. And so it's not just selling a product, there's also a lot of education involved, right? And I think that, 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 that it's what makes it fun is because it's, it's why we do what we do, but it's also, I think, the most challenging piece is you're not just selling you know, here's a a pair of pants. This one happens to be blue. This is black. It's like it's educating families about growing food, which comes with there's so much depth to that. And so it's not just like a one second thing. It's like you're building a category, building a movement. And I think that it takes time. It also takes a lot of supporters. The village, right? It takes a village to raise a child. It takes a village to raise a business, and, and especially to kind of create a new kind of movement like this around bringing <laughs> back the community gardens and people growing their own food. Yeah, that's awesome. And you have, like, a really inspirational moment since you started. Obviously, like, the New York schools adopting your cereal is pretty darn cool. But have you had, like, another inspirational moment? I would say the most inspirational piece is, is I think, two. And one of them is power of a small team. And, and you know, we, we have our weekly company meetings. And we're a small team, so, you know, 17 people. How much we can all do, this, you know, it's, it's not about the number of people. It's about commitment. I think this that reminder and appreciation for our team and, and one person working on something is, is, is cool, but, you know, a handful all aligned, you know, with all their passion and their hearts working on something, like you can make a massive change. And I think seeing that and experiencing that firsthand is something that's just like ingrained in me now and, and gives me optimism and is inspiring. And I think too is that we get so, so many photos of families like every single day of what they're growing and, and their feedback and, Honestly, like that, that seriously, every single morning just fires me up. You kind of, as I love about or the products we're working on, and I love about food, and it's so tangible. And people are trusting us, right? You think about that way, like the power of trust. Like they're trusting us to feed their families, right? With, with the cereal, they're trusting us to help them grow something. They're going to feed their families. And, like, that's just so personal. And so when you hear the stories and the feedback, it's pretty, you know, it's motivating. Sure. Would you say that's the thing that kind of, inspires you to continue doing the work that you started? Yeah, that and, and, and the last thing is a partnership with Alex. You know, he's uh, started off as crazy as someone you didn't know. Four years <laughs> in college, he's, he's, he's more than a brother. He's, you know, 
business soulmates, life soulmates in that way. And, and, and I think just being able to share this with someone, I can't imagine ever starting this business by myself. And, and that idea of do what you love with people you love, I think it's, we're, we're fortunate to be able to do that every day. Let's dive into some of the things that you would recommend for other people. Where did you start learning more about sustainability and conservation? Like, where did you find these projects that you're, like, working at? You know, I, I think... Um, from a, from a people perspective, you know, one of our North Stars for, for food has been the author, Michael Pollan. Uh, you know, he's been, he's at Berkeley, he's a professor there. He's, his book, Food Rules and Omnivore's Dilemma, has just been kind of backbone in many ways for the Back to the Earth mission of simplicity and connecting to food. So, yeah. you know, he's someone who's had a, a massive impact on, on how we look at food. You know, I also think that in terms of brands, and, and I know, you know, your experience working in the natural food space, uh, uh, gotta give a shout out to Lisa at Cooley Cooley, connected to Dino <laughs> Boss, you know, another amazing, amazing food company working on Moringa, uh, in Oakland as well. But like, whether it's Cooley Cooley or Back to the Roots or kind of other emerging new food brands, I think we're all in such a fortunate place because we get to stand on the shoulders of giants. And I say that, you know, it's not that long ago, you go back 25 years, this whole movement, whether it's, you know, the B Corp movement, it's social ventures and, and then triple bottom line businesses, whether it's the organic movement, like this kind of whole space was still like, with all love and respect, especially because we went to Berkeley. It was like the long haired hippies from Berkeley that people were making fun of, right? Like that was 25, it wasn't <laughs> right. that long ago. And now you have like the biggest companies in the world, like Unilever, thinking about becoming an amazing movement thing, right? It's a given now. Right, like, like it, it's like the whole paradigm has shifted because of the brands, like you know, right. Whole Foods that they built, but Annie's built, you know, like Amy's. You guys have around for twenty, Ben and Jerry, Stonyfield, Patagonia, that have proved the way over the last twenty years that you can make money and build a really, really big business. Still, at the same time, and right. they've proven that so there's like no more excuse anymore of like not integrating an environmentally and socially conscious platform in your business because like there's no excuse anymore because they have people. There's plenty of people that have proven that you can do it and you can make money and do good. At the same time and I love that it's inspiring to us too and grateful that we get to kind of now carry the baton to the next the next gen what would be your three tips for someone who wants to live a more eco-conscious life number one is start small and do something because it's really fulfilling to start doing something whether that's as simple as if you get a coffee every day at Starbucks bringing your own glass to fill into it whether it's, you know, just not picking up a straw, focus on one thing. And I think just starts becoming a habit and starts becoming fun, which is, which is really a cool feeling. I think number two, it's so much of just kind of a, around curiosity and, and asking the question. And I think it's really fun just to start challenging the status quo. And, and there's so many things when you start thinking about, like, just where does that go? And just if you put that into your mind, I think it, without even needing to make these big decisions, you start asking that question, you're going to become more conscious about thinking about things. And I mean, when it started for us, hey, where do those coffee grounds go? And where do those coffee filters go? And one spark like that is, changes your whole outlook of how you look at things. And so I think a lot of it, too, is just and even when we work with schools and um, we do kind of a lot of curriculum work around kind of, you know, this, this idea of a closed loop system that we're using, you know, just the simplest things like, if it, you know, empty paper towel roll like we've done in classrooms it's like hey so what else can you do with that and all of a sudden these kids are like eyes light up and they're like you know there's a minute of silence and then once someone starts and actually you know you have 50 ideas of what a paper towel roll could turn into right and it's just like it's, it's awesome to see that kind of okay. the shift of like energy and I think we go back a lot and, and even on this call it's like it's hard brand and a person like to prescribe what to do it's more about like discovery and curiosity and I think that eventually leads to habit changing 
to our local recycling center and seeing just how that all operates and how tough it is, how expensive it is, how messy it is. And I didn't know what the effect would have on me, but I look back now, it's like, it just makes you, before even thinking about recycling, it's like, man, how can you just reduce packaging? Because even once it gets into the stream, no matter where it's going, it's going to be, it's a whole crazy other beast to get it out of that, that way. Yeah. And just ask questions. I don't know, that's what it's off for. And that's all I think curiosity comes to mind. Awesome. I think that was kind of more than three, <laughs> but still three things. And is there anything really crazy that you've done in the name of nature and sustainability? Giving up a six-figure finance job to become waste collectors after you graduated. I don't think we're going to ever beat that. <laughs> that was the craziest thing I think we're ever, ever going to do in our lives. It was, I mean, literally we graduated and 4 a.m. You're out there picking up trash and, and spent two years garbage, you know, dumpster diving for, for coffee grounds. And so it was a... Uh, <laughs> Maybe start to, to this whole journey. So, what did your friends and family say when you told them your plan? Oh, people thought we were we were pretty we were pretty crazy. I'll tell you that much. I mean, I'll, I'll say our family, uh, Alex and I, are both are grateful and, and they, they've been super supportive along the way. And I think uh, they were, <laughs> you know, they were kind of there for the whole journey of like, hey, we 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 heard this idea, or you know, they they saw us spend hours doing research on YouTube and going test buckets. Eventually. It was kind of a shock too. This was, you know, one day you're telling them, "Hey, by the way, I'm not taking that job. I told you we're taking. We're going mushrooms instead." Oh my goodness, the, <laughs> the looks on their faces. I mean, I remember this one night actually, still like crystal clear in my head. It was like maybe two weeks away from graduation, and you know, seniors in college, a lot of our friends are going out and, and just celebrating, etc. It was a Friday night. We, we were doing coffee collection run, and this is after the store closing, so it was like must have been 10 p.m. at one of the cafes. Uh, actually, the Pete's right on on Dwight and Shattuck. I remember this clearly and, and it was, you know, I had a, I had a bag, a black trash bag full of coffee grounds over my shoulder. I was waiting in the corner for Alex to pick me up because he was coming from another cafe. <laughs> and I remember this group of friends walking out. They were going going out that night uh, to a bar and I'm sitting here in the corner with a trash bag over my shoulder and just that conversation I'll never forget. You know, like, what are you doing? <laughs> so, uh, uh, so we had a lot of moments like that. You know, we, we started off yeah. out this fraternity. We turned this kitchen into a mini science experiment. So we have the guys in this fraternity <laughs> are like, what are you doing downstairs? Oh, oh it's been absolutely, I and mean, I can't imagine, can't imagine anything else. And it, it is, it shows to the, just like the power of trying something. I mean, look, it looks back and it seems like it'll flow, but it was just kind of one thing at a time. Like, you know, we've had it. Heard a sentence. We, we watched YouTube videos, and you ended up like, "Oh, let's just try something." We ended up planting these different buckets, you know, and, and walking those to local stores, and got a 5K grant from our chancellor. And like, you know, like this, I, I think entrepreneurship so often is like thought of as a jump off a cliff. It's one big decision, one big moment. And I think there's another way where you just like it doesn't have to be that way, and then you can break it up into 50 smaller things, and eventually the answer is going to become clear to you or not, you know, if there's opportunity is there and if your excitement is there, because after that much stuff you're doing, do I really want to do this? And I think for us, those three months, you know, the last three months of school, it just went from an idea to one thing after another and almost became like, by the time we were graduating, it's like, man, we, we've got to do this, you know? That's amazing. That's great. And I guess I know that you're really busy, but how can people get in touch with you if they're really interested in talking with you or learning more about the different projects that you have going on. Yeah, they can check out and learn more and, and, and back to the roots.com. And you know, my email is simple. It's just nickhill at back to the roots.com. Always love hearing ideas, suggestions, especially if there's new things you think we can, can 
corporate or feedback or thoughts on what we're working on. I always love to hear it. Follow back to the roots, Facebook and Instagram too, and check out all the things we're growing in our office as well. So. <laughs> Sweet. Awesome. And I'll make sure to link down the show notes so people can find you. Cool. Thanks so much. Absolutely, Robert. Thanks for having me on. I think the thing that touched me most about my conversation with Nikhil was his passion for what he's building and the fact that they've done so much with such a small company. If you're in the Bay Area and want to attend one of their events or you're interested in hearing about the things Nikhil and his team are up to, you should check out their website and follow them on social. I'll link it in the show notes. I promise you'll be super inspired and maybe even grow food on your own windowsill one day. It's beautiful here in New York City and spring has definitely hit and we're thinking up our next big event. Hope to get some info out to you soon. If there is a guest that you'd like to see on the podcast or you're enjoying this series, I'd really appreciate if you took the time to leave a positive review or share it with your friends. Your ratings help us reach more people and it helps spur more people to action. Tune in again next week, Eco Warriors. Stay green. Thanks for talking dirty with us. Tune in next week for more trash talking with Eco Warriors. For more inspiration, follow us on Instagram at Trashy Beauty Code.